Heads in Canada, we've got time here on The Breakfast Show as we get stuck into the book of Hebrews and the story of Abraham and Melchizedek. Uh, right now, we are going to have a 400-point question for our quiz. That's right. For 400 points, which of the following was not an ingredient in the sacred oil used to anoint the tent of meeting and the Ark of the Covenant? All right. So which of these was not used in the Ark of the Covenant? Okay. Or to anoint it. Cinnamon, frankincense, calamus, or myrrh? Ooh. Which one? Which Cinnamon, one? frankincense, calamus, or myrrh? Which one was not used to anoint the tent of meeting and the Ark of the Covenant? 0491-064-669 is the number to call for 500 points. You can win a book from our selection of bargain books. But again, those options were cinnamon, frankincense, calamus, and myrrh. Which one wasn't used to anoint the Ark of the Covenant? All right. Great stuff. Let's see what you can come up with the answer. Let's uh, go to our text messages right now. We do have a, uh, a few text messages to look at, so um, let's just head over there and see what they have to say. Our first one is about the metaverse and roadblocks. Road Roadblocks? Roadblocks. For, for what? Oh, roadblocks. <laughs> Ro- <Yeah>. Roblox. <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, uh, um, predictive text for you right there. Ro- what do you call it? Roblox. Roblo- Roblox? Roblox, yeah. yeah. Okay, so it's not roadblock. But anyway, whatever. Yeah. I wonder who created Considering three-quarters of American children play, it must be Satan himself. Jesus said very strong words against those who hurt the children. Mm. Satan can reach anyone, anywhere, anytime, Parents be vigilant. And this is really what it comes down to is that parents just need to be parents. Yeah, totally. Well, Ro- there's, there's no other solution to this. Roblox, like, has a, a reputation of being like, this is because it's free. Yes. So, well, it's, you know, there's no starting cost. Yes. So anyone can play it. And it's easy to access. And it's marketed as a kid's game. And so parents are like, yeah, you can play it. But. In reality, it's full of... I've seen heaps of ads for it, but I was just like, well, I, I'm the kid, so... You're not, you're not a child. I've never looked at the ads. Yeah. But then it's full of heaps of mature content and uh, copyright infringement. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Okay, the priest mistaken the delivery of the sacraments uh, for a church who is biblically and theologically incorrect on so many points. This cardinal bishop is very picky. He should be more concerned with the pedophilia in the church by the priests. Ouch. 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 Oh, that is heavy. But at the same time, I think there's a certain level of validity to it. Are we really going to be asking everybody to come back and get rebaptized and remarried and re everything else with the other sacraments just because the priest said we instead of I? Yeah, actually. Instead of the priest instead of the priest. Uh, baptizing the person as a recognition by the church of that person's uh, commitment to Jesus Christ uh, rather than the priest pretending to be Jesus Christ himself. Mm. And even furthermore, like as that person brings up, like is a priest's baptism valid if they said the right words but then they're like a convicted criminal? Well, here's the question. What, how does this relate to a person's salvation? Is God up in heaven like, no, you can't come in because the priest said the wrong word? Yeah. You know, I mean, is that really seriously the God that we serve? Well, there are bigger issues out there, and and mm-hmm. and the biggest issue that the Catholic Church needs to be facing right now is child abuse amongst mm. the priesthood. Yep, 
and the abolishment of the confessions. And the, that's right, the <laughs> abolishment of, confe- of, the, of, of confession and uh, um, celibacy. Mm. Okay, angels can only protect us as we obey his leadings. Unfortunately, there are many Christians who will still lose their life as the many martyrs in the past and present history. If God allows us to be put to sleep, that in itself is his way to save us. Only he knows our future. We ourselves have to pray daily Mm. that we won't let him go until he blesses us. For who knows what today holds for us. I like that right there. There's a, there's a a great text message right there that we need to... Hang on to Jesus every day and not let him go mm. until he blesses us. Mm. I like it. All right. I think that's all we've got for text messages here. Um, let's go to our Bible passage. And our Bible passage begins. We're going we're gonna to do a bit of a review here. Uh, let's read the first five verses of Hebrews chapter 7. The Bible says, This Melchizedek was king of the city of Salem and also a priest of God Most High. When Abraham was returning home after winning a great battle against the kings, Melchizedek met him and blessed him. Then Abraham took a tenth of all that he had captured in battle and gave it to, and gave it to Melchizedek. The name Melchizedek means king of justice. The king of Salem means king of peace. There is no record of his father or mother or any of his ancestors, no beginning or end to his life. He remains a priest forever, resembling the Son of God. Consider then how great this Melchizedek was. Even Abraham, the great patriarch of Israel, recognized this by giving him a tenth of what he had taken in battle. Now the law of Moses required that priests who are descendants of Levi must collect a tithe from the rest of the people of Israel, who are also the descendants of Abraham." Where did you get up to? Verse 5. Okay. It's so different in your translation from mine, I completely lost track of where you were up nah, to. I know you didn't lie. You just can't read. <laughs> okay, this is a great passage right here. We need to spend mm. some time digging into it. Uh, the Bible is talking about how great Melchizedek was. Mm. And what is interesting that this is only... The, you know, only one of two, uh, one, one of three places in the Bible where Melchizedek is mentioned, and Melchizedek is mentioned more in the book of Hebrews than anywhere else in the Bible. Yeah. And it's a little bit like, you know, the, the, the um, Jewish people at that particular time are like, well, Jesus can't be our high priest. Jesus can't be our mediator. Jesus can't be our savior. Can't be any of those things because he's not of the tribe of Levi. Mm. And it's impossible for anybody to be a priest who's not a tribe, a part of the tribe of Levi. And this was a massive roadblock for Jewish people accepting Jesus Christ and becoming Christians. Mm. And I, I think that in our day and age, we don't understand just how big of a roadblock this was. But this was, this was an enormous roadblock. And so Paul turns around and says, okay, have you ever heard of a guy by the name of Melchizedek? Mm. He's mentioned once in Psalms. He's mentioned once in Genesis. That's it. And he's like, we don't even know who this guy was. We don't know who his parents were. We don't know who his descendants were. And, you know, you can sort of see their initial reaction like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, he was like, you really going to bring up an unknown priest? Mm. And then Paul turns around and says, yeah, and Abraham paid him tithe. Mm. And Levi was a descendant of Abraham, not a son, not a grandson, but a great, 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 great grandson Mm. of Abraham. And if Levi is a descendant of Abraham, 
then Levi is effectively in Abraham and Levi is effectively returning tithes to Melchizedek. And so Melchizedek, therefore, is a greater priest than Levi, a greater priest than Aaron, a greater priest than any of the priests that we have today, a greater priest than Abraham himself, the founder of our nation, the father of our nation. Melchizedek is a greater priest than any of those. We don't know who he was, but clearly it is possible to have a priest that is greater than any priest we have ever had within our nation. Mm. And, of course, Jesus is within the nation, and he's a descendant of David on both sides of his family, but his <laughs> father and his mother's side, um, earthly father and father's side and, and, and mother's side. And so it's not hard to see Jesus as being a priest who is greater than the priest that we live, that we live here on this, or being a priest to begin with. Yeah and a greater one that lives here on this earth. Mm. And so it's quite a powerful argument that uh, that Paul is putting forward here. Uh, let's continue on here. Uh, let's pick up the story. We've got uh, a couple of we've got a bunch of verses we're going to get through now. Now that we've built some context. Mm. Because what you find, you know, as we noted in the book of uh, Genesis is that when Abraham is going to worship God, when Abraham is going to thank God, when Abraham is has become wealthy, uh, through the pillage that has, you know, been he has captured from the Elamites, which of course he keeps none of it. He returns it uh, to the, its its original owners, apart from the, um, the the families and so forth. But we find that he does return a tithe. He does take a tenth of it and give it to the high priest at that particular time, who was Melchizedek, king of Salem, which later became known as. Jerusalem, which mm. later became known, which later became the the site of the temple. Mm. All right, uh, where, let's pick this up in verse six, uh, verse six, seven, and eight. In verse six, the Bible says, "But Melchizedek, who was not a descendant of Levi." You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. But Melchizedek who was not a descendant of Levi, collected a tenth from Abraham, and Melchizedek placed a blessing upon Abraham, the one who had already received the promise of God. And without question, the person who was the power to give blessing is greater than the one who is blessed. The priests who collect tithes are men who die, so Melchizedek is greater than they are, because we are told that he lives on. In addition, we might even say that these Levites, the ones who collect the tithe, paid the tithe to Melchizedek when their ancestor Abraham paid a tithe to him. For although Levi wasn't born yet, the seed from which he came was in Abraham's body when Melchizedek collected tithe from him. Okay, so this is top right here for a moment. This is a pretty pretty heavy passage right here. Okay, so the Bible says here that you know you've got Abraham returning tithes, and we already mm. talked about that. But we've also talked about how that Mel- Paul also brings up the concept that Melchizedek blesses Abraham, mm. and what he's pointing out here, and the argument that he's building is you've got this guy Melchizedek who is greater than uh, any of the you know priests that live today, and greater than Abraham himself, and so. The one who blesses is greater than the one who receives the blessing. Mm. If you're going to pass on a blessing to somebody else, then you're greater than that person. 
And so not only is Melchizedek greater in that he receives tithes, he's greater in, in that he is the one who imparts the blessing. Mm. And he's imparting a blessing to somebody who's already been blessed. Mm. He's like Abraham already has the covenant, he already has the blessing, and Melchizedek gives him more blessing. Mm. And so who is the greater one here? Melchizedek. Melchizedek is the greater one. I was um ah, so I've been I've been spending this time. This reminded me of a passage in Isaiah chapter sixty six, which kind of supplements this idea that yeah, like Levites or people who would do priestly work would come from other nations. It was a prophecy that was given at that time, and that actually pointed right down towards the future and towards the end of time. Uh, but this idea that that you know because it's so interesting to me of like why why are the why are the Jews so hung up on this idea that only Levites could be priests um, when even their prophets, like Isaiah specifically, was prophesying that there would God would select Levites from other nations. He's like, in yeah, specifically in like Isaiah chapter sixty six, verse twenty and twenty one, it talks about how like you know all people from all nations will be coming together, and it's like, oh, I will select a Levite, you know, Levites from from those other nations, you know, I'll select them to be a blessing to the Lord, and it's like, wow, we can see that taking place before and after this prophecy, like all the way through, God had a plan for the other nations, like absolutely, God absolutely wanted to reach them, to use them, to further His work, to be a blessing to Him, um, and it's like, oh, well then. Why did he go around destroying all of them, you know, with the Levites? And it's like, oh, because they rejected him. Yes. I mean, you've got the whole uh, concept coming through there of the priesthood of all believers. Mm. And that's what we see in our world today. Are there any nations where God has not selected Levites today? Yeah, well, no. I don't think there is. Like, God is trying to reach everyone. I think every nation on earth has contributed to uh, the work of God in some way or other with, you know, people that uh, have been involved in ministry. Mm. And, and given their lives to Jesus Christ. And we see this like first example here with this guy, this random named Melchizedek, who's who's doing this work, who's obviously been called by God. His life has been touched in some way. Um, he's felt called to the ministry, and that's exactly what he's doing. And now he's collecting tithe for the purpose of ministry from Abraham, the father of the faith. Talking about priests, we've got a text message coming through here from Stuart. He says, have you considered the massive potential for indulgences every person who died under this priest needs rescuing from either purgatory or hell. And that's a really massive question that goes through my mind. If they're Oof. going to make everybody redo all of their sacraments, including their baptism, you know, have they been locked out of heaven? And does that mean they've been sent to either purgatory or hell and now need to be rescued from there? Uh, and, you know, that's going to be a massive job uh, and humans have to do it. And so do they, uh, how are they going to fund that? Are they going to fund that by, you know, selling indulgences? It just, the whole system is so far, I'm sorry for, once again, I'm not here to give my Catholic friends a hard time. I'm just going to say this to my Catholic friends, that salvation is found in Jesus Christ. Mm. It's not found in another person. Another person messes up. It's your personal connection with Jesus Christ. It's not found in a church. It's not found in my church, your church, or anyone else's church. It's not found in my pastor, your pastor, anyone else's pastor. Salvation is found in Jesus, and we need to go to Jesus for our salvation. And if you're feeling unsure about your salvation, no Christian should ever feel unsure about their salvation. You need to go to Jesus. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. It is that simple. It is mm. no more complex than that. And, uh, and and I think this whole situation highlights it. And it's what Paul is highlighting here, you know, when he's talking about the priesthood, because, you know, as you've got this situation in Phoenix, Arizona right now, where they're hung up on this one word mm. that this priest said wrong, he said we instead of I uh, in doing baptisms. 
And that's because they have this tradition. It's not in the Bible, but they have this tradition that you know the priests have to say a specific word. Well, here you've got something that actually is in the Bible mm-hmm. where God says only a Levite can be a priest, but God is big enough to make exceptions. And if God can make exceptions here over and have a Canaanite priest by the name of Melchizedek, mm. who is greater than any Levitical priest that has ever lived, then I'm pretty sure God can make some exceptions in the in, in the case of a of a modern day priest who says one wrong word. Mm. You know, God is God is not in the business of sitting up in heaven and saying, "Oh, that's cool. I've got a technicality. I can keep them out of heaven and send them to hellfire." <laughs> You know, God is not small-minded like that. You know, even our judicial system, there used to be a time in the past when people would get off on all kinds of technicalities. You know, you get off on a speeding fine if the police officer wrote down the wrong colour on your car. You know, if you go back to the 80s or the 70s or something like that, you know, you could take it to court. It's like, well, I don't own a yellow car. I own a brown car. Yeah, that's right. Um, and you get you don't get off on that kind of thing anymore because judges have recognised uh, this thing called the human factor. Mm. And that they don't need to be ridiculous about it, that they can still uphold the law even when the human factor makes minor mistakes. Mm. And if we as judges can see justice in that, you know, we who are wicked, failing, mortal human beings, if we can see justice in that, then surely God can as well because, I mean, hey, God can take a Canaanite and make him the greatest priest that there is in the Bible other than Jesus Christ. Mm. All right, where are we up to uh, we were reading verse 10, I think. Yep, verse 10, the Bible says, For although Levi wasn't born yet, the seed from which he came was in Abraham's body when Melchizedek collected tithe from him. So if the priesthood of Levi, on which the law was based, could have achieved perfection, God in, the, the perfection God intended, why did God need to establish a different priesthood with a priest in the order of Melchizedek instead of in the order of Levi and Aaron? Okay, let's stop there for a moment. So we've got a different priesthood here. Mm. And the question is... If the Levit- and here, here, Paul, you know, this would be pretty pointed for a Jewish person reading this. Mm. He says, if, if the law of the Levitical priesthood could have achieved perfection, why did God need a different kind of priesthood? Okay, so why did God need Melchizedek? Uh, you know, because yeah. Levi is in Abraham, mm-hmm. right? Um, and Abraham is the priest at that particular time. Why was if Abraham is the priest at that time? Why is Melchizedek needed? Mm. If all you need is the Levitical priesthood, why did God appoint Melchizedek? Wow! Why do you need to be there? All you need is Abraham. This is an interesting thought. And so then you bring that down to the other end of the scale, and it's like, okay, um, clearly, God needs more than just the Levitical priesthood. Mm. He had the Levitical priesthood in Abraham. Mm-hmm. And he still needed Melchizedek. Yes. You have the Levit- Levitical priesthood in Judea right now. Mm-hmm. But God still needs more. Mm-hmm. And so you've got another priest who comes after the order of Melchizedek, another priest who is not a um not of you know, not of the of the of the order of the tradition of, of 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 Levi, but one who is out of the ordinary and is therefore going to be greater. And I think this is one of Paul's points: is that when a priest is appointed outside of the Levitical system, then that priest is a greater priest. 
So if Melchizedek is greater than the Levitical system and Jesus is also a priest, then that automatically makes Jesus a greater priest than any of the Levitical priests because the outside, the ones outside the order of Levi are greater than the ones that are inside the order of Levi. Mm. He's building a very powerful case for Jesus Christ here. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We're about to have our 500-point quiz question, and then we have something special to share with you all. In fact, we have somebody on the phone, somebody you may have heard before. Mm. All right. It's going to be exciting. 500 points. At what location was the manna stopped two days after the Israelites had Passover, and one day after they ate off the land. 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. Again, that was, at what location was the manna stopped two days after the Israelites had Passover, and one day after they ate off the land? If you know the answer, and you get it correct, you can win our 500-point prize for today, which is the book, God, 60 Hard Questions for Skeptics by Peter Hopkins. There's all these difficult questions, all about God. If you want to know the answers to them, 0491 Zero six four six six nine. Okay, so every day when you when we have question of the day, you hear the voice of uh, producer and co-host here on the breakfast show, Liam, as he introduces question of the day. Even though he's not here, he still introduces question of the day. Sometimes, that's his, right. Sometimes his brothers do. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but I got a text from Liam. What a day yesterday! I think it was uh, that said that he got a a dirty knee. Liam. Oh wow, Liam. <laughs> Liam, are you there? <laughs> I am, guys. How are we doing this morning? Doing great, man. Doing great. You got a dirty knee, but it was only one knee. Is that correct? Only one knee. That's right. It was wow. my left knee, and uh, yeah, it got a little bit dirty a couple of nights ago. So it was, it was just one knee, and it was your left knee, and there was somebody standing in front of you, I understand. There was indeed. It was uh, my beautiful girlfriend, Josie. Uh, well. You're beautiful fiancé. Yeah. Come on, get yeah. it right here, Liam. Get it right. Oh, that's My what's going on. I thought yeah. I just tripped over. I was really confused. <laughs> well, congratulations. Yeah, Thank congratulations, Liam. That's fantastic news. We are so happy for you here on The Breakfast Show. Um, this is really good news. Yeah, no, look, it was an awesome night. It was it was really, really cool. We uh, we went for a bit of a horse ride during the day and then wow. uh, took her out to the beach. And It was a little bit wet, so not all the plans that I had could go ahead, but um, I, as I was heading out to the beach, to the beach, I prayed, Lord, I just, I just need a little bit of a dry patch just so that I can, I can get this done because it's really important. And sure enough, when we got there, there was a little patch of blue sky that just started to come across. And um, yeah, just as the, as the sun was setting, I, uh, I got down on one knee and uh, asked her to marry me. Oh God! Damn. And, and we're, we're assuming that she said yes. Yes, she did. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Okay. Nice work. We can, we can all relax now. We can all relax now. She did take a quick minute, though. She took. I, I did a bit of a video, and um, in the video, she took a little bit over 60 seconds to say yes. Oh, so wow. She, she yeah, making, making, you, making you nervous there. Making you nervous there, man. Oh, dear. She was, she was definitely in a bit of shock, but no, it was really, really cool. Oh, that's fantastic news. Oh, awesome. We're super happy for you. Congratulations. And uh, well done, mate. And thank you for uh, coming on the show for this uh, little minute to share the good news with us. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me. It's, it's been a real pleasure. Mm. Fantastic stuff. That was Liam Shuttleworth there. If you would like to send in your congratulations, please do so. And uh, we will pass that on to 
to, to, to Liam and his fiance. Uh, good to hear his voice. Good to hear him back here mm. on the show again. And uh, yeah, super excited for him. Good stuff. Liam, just out there. Getting it done. Getting it done. That's Getting it right. Done. All right, let's uh, get back to our Bible study. And uh, oh, um, yeah, someone just texting through about the uh, the bishop who has uh, invalidated all of these baptisms. Says, says has really opened a Pandora's box. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is big issues. This is issues. Surely, that relate- this has happened before. This is issues that relate to the character of God. Mm. Wow. Ooh. You know, really, it yeah. does. It re- this is all about the character of God. What kind of a God do we serve? That's so true. That this is, is so actually, true. This is actually a lot bigger than people just having to come back and get sprinkled with a little, little bit of water again mm. or redo their marriage vows. Mm. Um, this is this is serious stuff. It's a big Pandora. There's so much coming out of this one. Mm. All right, Bible study time. Where we get up to? We read verse 11, did we? We got up to verse 13, I believe. Oh, we got up to verse 13. Okay, I'm going to read verse 12 Okay, um, from my translation. Oh, okay, yeah, this was actually, this was the next one. Yeah, okay. Read it, go for it. All right. For the priesthood being changed, there is made of a necessity a change also of the law. Ooh. That's interesting. Uh-huh. Okay, so then we have to ask the question, what law is being changed here at this particular point? How do you change? Is, is God changing the Ten Commandments? Is God changing yeah. his, his eternal constitution? Is he invalidating the law to not kill each other? Can, and, we, can we now go kill each other, commit adultery, lie, steal, murder, cheat, have other gods, etc., etc., etc.? Yeah. Break the Sabbath. Mm. We do all of those things now because God has changed it. Well, that's the question. Okay. Or... Is this in relationship to the law of the priesthood? Ooh. Has is is Paul speaking about the Ten Commandments, or is Paul speaking? A lot of people was like, yeah, yeah, Paul's talking about the Ten Commandments; they've all been done away with. Or is Paul is Paul speaking about the law of the priesthood? Is there a thing now called the priesthood of all believers? Wait, so you're telling me that the entirety of this chapter has the been whole context. the whole context has been dedicating to telling us that people other than Levites can be priests as given evidence in this person, Melchizedek. And then he says something about a law being changed, of which there was a law ascribed to Levites only being priests. Mm -hmm. So it would make sense in context that the law that he's talking about here is obviously to do with the law who is allowed to be a priest and not the Ten Commandments. That would be that would be the context that. Wow, I would- you're crazy, bro! <laughs> you're crazy. Nah, surely not. <laughs> but this is a really good illustration of what you can do if you take one verse out of context. That's right. If you read just that verse right there, verse twelve on its own, it's like, oh, the law's been changed. Let's the priesthood's changed. The law's changed. Where are the Levites today? We don't need them. Yeah, but even even verse twelve, it's just like, yeah. That that's the point. That's the point yeah. I'm making. Yeah, you yeah, read that. Right. That's the conclusion that you come to. But you read this whole verse, and it's like all to do with who can be a priest and to give answer to, can Jesus be our high priest? Of which the answer is yes. All right. So coming through here on the text message, this is an interesting one. It says, thank you, Lyle. I'm amazed at how many Catholics hang on every word of the priest. I'm a Catholic and I'm constantly saying to other Catholics, drop the ownership. It's about God, Jesus. Uh, wow. This is good. Does God, Jesus does not cast lots to see who enters heaven. Everyone who is worthy through faith Salvation. Also, Francis has a lot to answer for. I can't fathom how so many Catholics follow him like sheep. 
I have have a good look at the Catholic Church at this time in history. Again, it's Revelation revealing itself. I can't believe uh, some of the things he is doing. That one's from Paula. And Christopher says, congratulations, Liam. Really happy for you. Um, but coming through from Paula from a, a Roman Catholic, that's a very, that very is, powerful statement right there. That is contentious, second Paula. Time, second, time, wow. second time that Paula gets... Uh, um, text message of the day this She's week. She's dropping bombs, dude. That's crazy. Yes. Wow, Paula, thank you for texting us. No, but the, I, I just love what she says here where she says, um, "Drop Catholics, drop the ownership. It's about God. Yes. Jesus does yes. not cast lots to see who enters heaven. Oh. Everyone is worthy through faith salvation. Praise God. Mm. That's, that's the that's the." The key message that you know I've been trying to get across in this story, and I think that this I'm glad that this story is happening and it's out there in the media because in many ways what it is doing, it is highlighting to serious people and serious students of the Bible that salvation is in Jesus Christ. Mm. It's not in a priest, it's not in certain words. It is in Jesus. It's not in a church. I, you know, it's not in Faith mm. FM. Mm. It's not in it's not in, in, in Lawson or Lyle or Shell or the Breakfast Show or Faith. It's not anywhere of those places. Oh, so many things to talk about. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. You're listening to the Breakfast Show, and we are about to get into question of the day. Before we do, answers for our quiz questions. Go for it. All right, for 100 points, the answer was in the sand. For 200 points, what was forbidden to eat under the Nazarite vow? I was like, what's forbidden? I'm like, I don't know, shit, shaving your head and stuff. Uh, but what's forbidden to eat? Uh, grapes, raisins, and wine. For 300 points, um, uh, they made Moses made them drink uh, the golden calf after they were worshiping it. Four hundred points. The incorrect answer was frankincense, and for five hundred points, the answer was Gilgal. Okay, all right, those are your answers. It is now time for question of the day. There's there's Liam bringing us in. Yes, absolutely, and uh, congratulations, Liam. 60 seconds is a long time. Your fiancé didn't take the question lightly. She sounds like a keeper. Wow. Coming through from uh, Raphael there. Awesome. Okay, so our question of the day is, uh, this is actually from Karen, who I think is doing, like, an extensive study of the Book of Judges at the moment. Big dive into Judges. She's sending us a lot of Judges-related questions. So in Judges 10 and verse 4, and in chapter 12 and verse 14, why... Are the donkeys important? Okay, why are the donkeys important? This is really interesting. So let's go to uh, Judges 10. And we're going to have to start reading in verse 3. It says, After him arose Jair, a Gileadite, and judged Israel 22 years. And he had 30 sons that rode on 30 donkeys. Okay, so why are the donkeys important? Really what this comes down to is the model of judging that Jair takes, or, or creates, I should say. Uh, up until this particular point, all of the judges have just been a judge and they locate themselves in a particular location. The Bible will usually tell you where they are located and Israel would come to them for judging. What Jair does is that he, uh, he, he distributes the work and he creates essentially what becomes a circuit judge or a traveling judge and he divvies it up between his sons um, and 
he mentions the fact that they're all on donkeys because that means that they are transient, they are moving, they're able to move throughout the nation and they're able to travel to different areas so that not everyone has to come to him. And so, you know, we would assume that they would take care of all of the cases that need to be taken care of and if there was something that, you know, people wanted to appeal to a higher court, then they would go to Gilead and Jair would judge them there. It's a little bit like, you know, in modern times we might say that, you know, there was a... uh, a ruler of a particular province, and he had a bunch of under-rulers under him and uh, he gave them all a fleet of commodores. You know, you're indicating the fact that these are people who are going to travel out into the region and do the work um, of judging there. Now, what's interesting about that is that when we come over to Chapter 12, we have another judge who comes along, and these are the only two judges that do this, but he basically looks back through history, sees what's been done in the past, recognises that judging is... You know, it's very challenging. There's a lot of hard work involved in being a judge and being a leader of the nation. And so he divvies it up between his relatives as well, follows the model of Jair, and you find in uh, chapter 12 and verse 13 after him, Abdon, uh, the son of Hittel, a Pyrethonite, judged Israel. And he had 40 sons and 30 nephews that rode on uh, 60 and ten, so uh, three score and ten, so that's eight, uh, seventy donkeys, and he judged Israel eight years. I'm getting all my numbers uh, confused here as I translate from uh, KJV to modern English. Um, and so you've got um, he's got sons and nephews, and they ride on seventy donkeys. So you know you can imagine by the time that Abdon comes comes along, Israel is now a much bigger nation. Uh, the work is much bigger than it was before. And so he has provided for that work by divvying up the work amongst his family members and he sends them out. Uh, you know, back in the day we used to have circuit judges who would travel from town to town, take care of everything that needed to be taken care of, move to the next town. In the same way as you had circuit preachers who would do the same thing, you know. Um, you know, they would. Uh, Singleton Church used to be part of uh, a, a Sydney um, parish of churches and, you know, those are a long way apart and the preacher used to ride a horse in between the two and that's how things used to take place. And so essentially that's what's happening is that, you know, these guys are going out dealing with all of the minor cases and the major cases would come back to Abdon. So really it's it's an interesting piece of history that these two judges used this particular model of judging there in the nation of Israel at this particular time. Well, it's great to see uh, lots of people studying the Bible these days and one of the great ways that you can do that is through the Discovery Centre where they have, you know, 18 or 20 different courses you can do on just about any subject that you can think of and the best kind of Bible study you can do is the Bible study that you do. There are no parts of the Bible that are not good to study. So I'd encourage you, if you'd like to know more about the Bible, uh, we can set you up there um, with a course that you can do. Uh, Last quick text message, Bruce says that donkeys represent humility. And the next place that a donkey is significant in the Bible is Jesus riding on it. So interesting mm. uh, observation there in relationship to the donkeys in the book of Judges, uh, sneaking that text message through right at the end. Good to see people reading and studying and thinking about their Bibles as you go through this day. Don't forget to talk faith, live faith, act faith. You will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you.
thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.